Hello everyone. Welcome once again to Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction. I am very happy to announce today that we have got two guests in the studio slash spare bedroom. First of all, lovely Katie. Hello, Ruth. Um, I'm glad to see you're back and better. Thank you. Yes, I'm better from all the horrible sickness. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, and we also have lovely Rob Levy. A new guest. Hooray! A new guest. Hooray! Hooray! Hello, Rob. Hello. Thanks for coming. Do you do a kind of, this is the sound of my voice? Uh, they do you on can. American podcasts. Well, this is the sound of my voice. I feel like you're doing a special radio voice. Well, maybe I, I did am. not know you were doing that, and I would try and be less high pitched if I knew that was happening. <laughs> we'll all lower the tone of our voice. Yes. Someone that I work with said that they feel like the drunker I get on the podcast, the posher I get. Oh wow! Ah, that's the opposite know. of some people. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's true. That makes it sound like maybe your true self is. Is really posh. posh yeah. And you're always trying to keep a lid on it in order to stay true to your working class credentials. We'll see you later. If you start calling tea supper instead of tea, then we'll know that something's happened. So today we are going to be discussing the legend of Tom Hickathrift, who is known throughout Cambridgeshire and Norfolk as a giant of great strength and many daring deeds like Alan Wynne-Jones, except in the past. Now, is that a rugby player? Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's that kind of a day. <laughs> Often there are names and they, it turns out they're rugby players right. if Katie says them and they're Welsh. Okay, because I don't know who that is. <laughs> I thought maybe that was the guy who sang We're Walking in the Air. Is that Alid Jones? Yes. Because Alex Alid Jones, Jones is the terrifying American who does Infowars, which is all about conspiracy theories, and he shouts a lot. Alid Jones, snowman. Alid Al- Jones, amazing Welshman and captain of the Lions today and a bit like a giant, which is okay. where I was going with that. Right. Okay, well, if you want to picture Tom Hickathrift like that, it's probably fine. Can I, I'm going to picture him like Alid Jones. Okay. He, he, to me, is the giant of the child sings chart hit world. Now, Katie's going to bring in yes, the, the first, first drink, drink, which I have seen... I've seen some skewers downstairs, which seems very strange, so I'm Well, intrigued. I was thinking he's a giant, giant appetite. Yeah. And I thought, what would a giant have for breakfast? So I've tried <laughs> to make Tom Hickathrift the giant's Bloody Mary that he would have for breakfast. <gasps> okay, bring it in. I can't That's wait. That's why we're having it first. I can't wait. I so- can't wait. While Katie's bringing it in, by the way, can I just say that the whole first drink, second drink thing reminds me a little bit of the Passover ceremony. As a, oh, really? as a Jewish man, <laughs> it's striking the fact that you always have to, you're doing a load of stuff and it's like, now it's time for the first cup of wine because you have seven ah, cups of water, okay. X cups of wine over the over And the you have to night. squeeze them in. Yeah. You have to really make sure you're yeah, on what schedule with is, the drinks. What happens is they accelerate as the night goes on as well. So it's quite This fun. is unbelievable. Look at this. <laughs> oh my life. I will try and explain. <laughs> <laughs> Things have been added even since I saw them. <laughs> It's gone up. The original level of visual <laughs> splendiferousness has actually um, been totally obliterated by this. I'll just say, you might have just heard Katie say, this is Rob's because it's got no pork. And you might be thinking, what the fuck kind of drink would have a pork element <laughs> that is necessitated to be removed for Rob? I thought you were going to say, what the fuck kind of person would necessitate there being no pork in a drink? 
Well, we've already had that explained to us. Uh, (laughs) So what it is, is like a tankard full of Bloody Mary type drink. Then there's celery. There's cucumber. Is this a cheese string? (laughs) (laughs) There's a cheese string. I'm alarmed that I can recognise a cheese string. And then we've got two long skewers, one of which has an olive and a tiny thing. Pickled onion. Pickled onion. (laughs) And this second one, a tomato, a little pig in a blanket, and I believe this might be a quail's egg. Yes, because wow. it's breakfast. Wow, well done, Ruth. That's amazing. Now, I have bought a plate if anyone doesn't want any of their elements or if eating is too noisy for people listening. Can I just say that you've run the whole gamut of poshness being able to spot a quail's egg yeah. and a cheese string. Yeah. In- <laughs> Now, I do need to say one more thing about these drinks. Okay. When we originally planned to do this podcast, before there was a lockdown last year, I ordered these meat straws from America. However, (laughs) the meat straws are now out of date and are no longer available. So I don't know if anyone wants a meat straw. (laughs) I spent a lot of today trying to stick a skewer through a pepperami. Uh, It doesn't work. Um, But I did manage to get a skewer... Because Rob couldn't have a pepperoni, I did manage to get a skewer through his cheese straw. Only one. But if Rob wants to try sucking You've through the cheese straw... You've already had a skewer through my cheese straw. <laughs> yes. Because I've... you couldn't have a pepper. So, But then it didn't go that well, so I didn't try with the other cheese straws. I tell you what, I will try a meat straw. I didn't even open I... them because I didn't think anyone was going to try them. Oh right. no, well how out of date are they? Uh... They went out of date last April. Mm, that's quite a long time ago. I mean, they're vacuum sealed. I'm yeah, sure it's I think they're probably fine. fine. Only because I don't, if I don't have access to a straw of some kind, yes. meat or otherwise, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to drink this. Holy crap! Is it strong? It's quite strong. Oh, mm. Whoa! Well, Tom Hickathrift would want it's a strong, strong in all the dimensions. <laughs> so this meat straw basically looks like a pepperoni. It's just got a hole right through the middle. Yes, but what it's surprisingly the... hard to get a hole through a pepperoni. What are the Americans using these for? <laughs> It does work as a straw, but you just have to suck really hard. Mm. Oh, it's peppery. Can, My life. Can you taste the meat? Not really, no. You can smell it when you get close. <laughs> <laughs> My meat straw is clogged with horseradish. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't words I thought I'd hear to say. Well, we haven't even begun and already the meat straw is clogged with horseradish. First, I'll just tell you my sources. Yes. Now, you will find Tales of Tom Hickathrift in any book of Cambridgeshire folklore worth its salt, but I have just limited to a few to have a look at. Of course, we have Enid Porter, Cambridgeshire Customs and Folklore, Maureen James, Cambridgeshire Folktales, and Legends of Cambridgeshire by Geoffrey M. Dixon. But I think Geoffrey M. Dixon takes quite a lot of liberties. He, like, adds in names where there's no names and things before. Anyway, so I don't know if I trust him. We will see that there's still places which have Tom Hickathrift's name, Hickathrift Field, Hickathrift Farm, that kind of thing. And there are also other landmarks and kind of geographical features which relate back to the tales. And there's lots of different stories that have kind of developed over the years, but there's two which are kind of, if you like, the origin stories of Tom Hickathrift. Thrift. So we're going to focus on those two today. And they're the ones that are kind of the most consistent in terms of the telling over the years. For a long time, it was just oral histories. And then from the kind of 17th century onwards, they started to actually be written down the stories in books and chap books. What's a chap book? A chap book, basically books were expensive. 
And most people can really afford to have like a properly nice bound book. And they're expensive to produce and they're expensive to, to buy. So a chapbook was usually like one or two sheets of paper just folded up to make a little booklet, sometimes roughly stitched together, that would be produced with stories and things that ordinary folk could afford. Oh, so everyone got the stories. That's brilliant. And there was a chapbook produced between 1660 to 1690. And there's actually a copy of it in the Peeps Library, which is in Magdalen College. Peeps is also in the Peeps Library, is he not? Peeps. The book of his diary is in Peeps' there. actual diary, yeah. yeah. I think so. The Peeps Library was all his correspondence collection of all his books, but then also the books that he produced and all his kind of letters and things like that as well. So the Peeps Library is this big collection of Peeps-related stuff. The legend begins near Wisbeach. Cambridgeshire, and that's near the Norfolk border, so that's why you get quite a lot of crossover with Norfolk folklore as well, because he kind of roamed about the area quite a bit. The timing's very vague of when did Tom Hickethus live. There's some suggestion it's around the time of the Norman Conquest, or maybe a little bit before the Norman Conquest. But who can say? That's very old, right? That's Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, like 10th century, yeah. But who knows, really? Because who knows if Tom Hickethus' thrift even existed? There are also some suggestions that the legend actually begins on the Isle of Ely, but I say that's got enough stuff going on. Oh, is it like Hercules? Did he strangle an eel in his cot? No, but that would be astonishing. What did Hercules strangle in his cot? A snake. A snake. It came in to kill him. Mm. Oh, did stepmother? Did um, I was going to say? I bet someone put it in there. Yeah, evil stepmom. What evil aren't they, stepmoms? Yes, no. I know it's a big yeah. problem in, in fiction. Oh. <laughs> They're the evilest ever. Yes. So we start with a couple named... Everyone agrees the dad was called Thomas. And Graham M. Dixon says the mum's name was Dolly, but I don't know where he's getting no this from. No one was called Dolly in 1066. Well, no, I don't think Dorothea, so either. Dorothea, I'm calling her. So Thomas and possibly Dolly Hickathrift lived in a little cottage and they were quite poor, but you know, happy enough. The only thing that they didn't have other than much money was a child. However... This was quickly remedied. As luck would have it, the wife became pregnant and before too long, a large and jolly baby emerged. Like Hercules. Like Hercules. Was he jolly? Yes. (laughs) He was large. (laughs) And they named the baby Thomas as well, Thomas Jr. And then in some of the versions, the father dies quite soon after Thomas is born. Does the father die in childbirth? (laughs) It was a large baby. It's like to give Thomas some kind of like, we give him some good backstory. We, he struggled. He oh, yeah. Yeah. Step up and be the man of the house, look after his. Well, I've noticed that there already is some struggle and backstory because the story basically so far is a couple had a baby, but we've been introduced to the idea that all they didn't have was a child, as if there's some kind of like, is there a sort of fertility struggle already? I right? don't know, but they didn't up? have any more children, uh-huh. only Thomas. So it could be that there was a struggle and they were p- quite poor, as I said. And then now Thomas's dad's died, so things aren't even going poorer. great, are they? No. Poor mother. Is it maybe not Thomas Senior's son? If they tried for ages and couldn't oh. couldn't conceive and then suddenly and there's one child. that's why he's so big and Thomas Senior's like, um, has a heart attack at the shock of it. Yeah, You're Tom, rewriting the legend. <laughs> Thomas Senior's 5'1". <laughs> well, the mum's not called Dolly, so if we're <laughs> all rewriting He's known it. throughout the land for being tiny. <laughs> he's micro Thomas. <laughs> Tom grew fast, very fast. All were astonished at the rapid speed of his growth. Mm. The story goes that he was already six feet tall by the time of his 10th birthday and his hands were as large as saddles of mutton. A saddle of lamb or mutton 
I investigated because I didn't know which... Is it a saddle made out of lamb? Is that what it is? It's, uh, it's Say you were going to ride a sheep and you had to put a saddle on the sheep. Wait, let me just... Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Imagine it. That's where the saddle comes from. <laughs> it's that bit. And that's how big his hands were, apparently. So he could pick up a lamb with both hands? One in each hand. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So And at 10 years old, so... When would you say you got to the height of six foot? That is a good question. But I'm 6'5 now. So let's say probably not till year 11-ish. So, yeah. Quite late. So Tom grew fast, very, very fast. But all reports agree that Tom's brain did not grow to match the rest of him. (laughs) (laughs) He was known to be quite stupid at school and very, very lazy. Lazy at school, lazy at home. Didn't help at all oh, with any chores. Oh, he didn't step up and be the... He was, no. probably, he was probably exhausted from lifting all those <laughs> lambs. <with> his... <laughs> He'd been picking up lambs with his giant hands all day. No wonder he couldn't. So he, he didn't really help around the house. Um, he apparently just sat and like stared at the fire quite a lot. The mesmerising flames of the fire. Who knows what he was thinking. And he ate a lot, of course. Lambs. So he was he was consuming but not giving back, as it were, to the household. The single parent household now. So Tom needs to buck up his ideas, I think. Was she in a lucrative career? Mm, I think that it was just a farming situation. So it could have been. It depends on whether it was sort of organic, high, <laughs> high yield. Was she selling to Waitrose or yeah. was she... <laughs> Just the local corner shop. <laughs> but a transformative event was going to happen in Tom's life. One day it came that he had to do some bloody work, lazy Tom. A neighbouring farmer offered Tom's mother some straw on the condition that they had to get the straw themselves and bring it back to the house. And he was like, you can have two bundles of straw. Apparently, this is quite remarkable and everyone was very excited about the idea of this Oh, was the farmer making a move on the single mum? I don't know, Katie. Is that how they... Did they do courtship via the medium (laughs) of bundles of straw? straw. I'll give you one bundle of straw and two lambs and then that's the deal. Maybe. But I think the farmer was being nice. Okay, maybe he was going, okay, there's just one person in this household supporting them. Uh, Yeah, Can I ask a silly question? I don't really know what straw is for in a sort of medieval (laughs) or pre-medieval farm. What is it? Animals? Yeah. Do they eat it? They Or for bedding, animal bedding. Do animals need a bed? Yeah. If it's winter and cold. Otherwise right. they'll die. They'll shrivel up. So it's, it's Maybe she wanted to thatch her roof. Yeah, it could be. So there's all kinds of things the straw could have been used for. None of us have lived on a farm or done any work ever in the countryside because we don't know anything about this. No. I know about meat straw. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only kind of straw we know about in this room. So Tom, after much scolding from his mother and nagging, she was like, Tom, come on. You have to go and get these bundles of straw. Otherwise, we're not going to get the straw we've been offered. So he got there and then um, the farmer said, you can take two bundles. Tom was like, right. He set about the straw with some cart rope and assembled a huge bundle, tied it up together with his rope. And to the farmer's astonishment, flung this enormous bundle of straw onto his back and made his way home. So this was the first inkling of Tom's extraordinary strength. The farmer wasn't very pleased because he had not really intended that an enormous giant boy should come to carry the straw home and take so much. Oh, so the bundles are too big. The bundle was huge. The bundle was huge. Mm. So the farmer, so the legend goes, thought, well, once he's back for his next bundle, I won't make it so easy for him. And he hid some rocks into the straw. Sneaky. Heavy rocks so that Tom couldn't possibly carry such an enormous bundle a second time. Tom returns. The farmer's like, haha, this is going to scupper him. He won't get this bundle far. But to the farmer's further astonishment and horror, 
Tom had no more problem with this than the last. In your face, farmer. Home he went. Home he went and along the way, the stones dropped out and he didn't even notice. He just thought, oh, there's just a few bits of corner escaping. Such was his ease of carrying the bundle. So this was the first suggestion of Tom's unusual strength and news spread around the area quite quickly. He was soon enlisted to help with other tasks that called for strength and carrying, big hand carrying, (laughs) big hand carrying events, moving felled trees, carrying heavy loads around the place, um, all of that kind of thing. So his days of being lazy were over. This led to a new career for Tom Hickathrift once news of his strength had spread throughout the land. There was a brewer in King's Lynn. Talk of Tom's strength had spread so far to King's Lynn. And the brewer needed somebody to transport his beer every day from King's Lynn to Wisbeach. He's doing well with the brewing. To pull along the cart and like unload all the beer and that kind of thing. Is this the, in the days before... Sort of animals and donkeys. Well, and they had it. They it was a dray cart, so I suppose they had the horses. It's just that Tom could, with ease, unload just flinging those kegs around. A job that would have required the the strength of several men, but he could do it alone. So presumably cheaper for the brewer. So Tom and his mum went to live in Kings Lynn, where the brewer housed them and provided food and ale, as much ale as they could drink. Great balls of fire. <laughs> really big gamble i've heard a story of a really like strong kid oh i'm gonna rehouse him and his mother and give them free alcohol yeah because what you think it could quickly spiral out of control well i just also think it but until he's seen it it's a bit of a big there might have been a job interview i don't know that wasn't mentioned (laughs) okay to kingsland they went tom started his new vocation of carting beer around between norfolk and cambridgeshire great however he drank um, all the beer he did drink a lot of beer. beer You don't hear any more of his mum after this, so that's the last we hear about about Tom's mum, so maybe she did descend into a spiral of alcoholism. We don't know. Can I just do a side thing? Yeah. Have you ever seen the process of putting barrels of beer under a pub where that special trapdoor gets opened up? I I always stand and gawk when I see that. It happened at the pub around the corner for me the other day, and I've walked past that pub a million times, and I never really noticed that there's this massive metal trapdoor, and I don't exactly know what happens down there but when they put the barrels in they just throw them down yeah, yeah. but there's then no there's, one... a, there's a ramp and someone's at the bottom of the ramp wearing overalls that's important apparently <laughs> and then they stop it when my grandma used to have the live and it live did she catch the no, barrels because she, she was, was a tiny tiny fat woman in the shape of a barrel she worked in the kitchen <laughs> bar man called Stuart caught them or my dad did if Stuart wasn't there and he was there at the weekend so when you say there's a ramp, you mean... In hers, it was like not really a proper ramp, two planks of wood, and the barrel would roll down and someone oh. would be at the bottom, and then they stop it, and they stand it up, and then you, they keep the doing that. Comes. And then, then you come and sort it all out, right. and you have to wash out the cellar every few weeks, and then you have to constantly do the pipes, clean the pipes, otherwise you're like, wear the spoons and your beer's stinky. It's a whole, it's a whole massive, like, being a cellar man is like a cellar person. is a whole thing. So Tom, I guess, was just wazzing the giant yeah. kegs around. That's, of course, at the end of Shaun of the Dead, how they manage to escape. Because they're under a pub and then they find the hatch and they pop out of the hatch. Oh, do they? And, and the pub's the full of zombies like, and they just pop out onto the street. What about that? Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's good that they exist. Remember for the zombie apocalypse about them. Put don't it in your brain. Don't go these newfangled bars where it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to go anywhere trendy. You need to be somewhere old school. Now, the next part of the story concerns another giant. Is it like a gladiator fight? Maybe. Giants ready. (laughs) 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 Ulrika appears. (laughs) Now, Chris, what's the name of the 
Man, who does the Gladiator theme tune, Muff Murfin. We talk about <laughs> Muff Murfin in our house quite a lot. Just his name's really amusing. So whenever ever I make muffins, I sing a Muff Murfin song. And Muff Murfin apparently was the man who wrote the theme tune to Gladiators. Which goes how? Can you feel the power of the gladiators? You remember? Yeah, kind of. Da, 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 da. And did he write other famous things? Don't know, just Muff Murphin wrote the that theme might have been for gladiators. Peak, but that's all right. That's What's a... his first name, Muff? Apparently. Chris is, I mean, look, Chris could be lying to me all these years about Muff Murphin. <laughs> Chris just thought, what was the most ridiculous thing I could say? <laughs> She'll believe anything. Let's tell her it was a man called Muff Murphin who wrote the Gladiators theme tune. <laughs> uh, soon we might want another drink. How are we doing? I've drunk mine. Okay, well, I'll drink a bit quicker. I've got to the point where mine is socially unacceptable because it will only slurp. Right, I'll just I'll set up the next part of the story and then maybe we'll have another drink because I understand that Rob's drink is giant based. It's so theme, it's just it's a really, theme. really large Fosters, is that what you've mm. done? <laughs> we joked that you'd just bring Fosters. Mm. And then you sent a text saying I've just bring Fosters. <laughs> <laughs> Before that we were saying about Rob. Rob is um known for his inexplicable love of Fosters. And other flavourless beers. Yeah, and other flavourless beers. Be, it doesn't have to be Foster's. Any flavourless beer will do. No flavor. <laughs> my my favourite beer experience of my whole life was once, and this is quite rare, getting Carlsberg in a bottle. <laughs> and that's quite, you never see it. Like, I've looked around in the shops of London, and London is a big place, and I never find these kind of bottles of Carlsberg. Well, delicious. Well, uh, <laughs> you must hate this era of craft beer. Well, I've sort of jumped on board. I... I worked in Whittard of Chelsea mm. before I drank tea and coffee like when I was a teenager yeah. and the manager was like you can't work here unless you drink tea or coffee you've got to just start drinking them they forced it down you they literally did but that's I, not alright I had way. homework I had homework where I had to take home like these they had these quarter pound or whatever it was quarter pound packs of ground coffee and the manager was like you have to drink this otherwise you can't how are you going to tell the customers if you don't drink coffee you can't work here well, that's true anyway then fast forward literally I would say probably 18 years mm couple of summers ago i got a job in a craft beer shop and they as part of the sort of like informal chat they were like what sort of beer do you like oh no and, no. and the true answer to that question is i like carlsberg in a bottle <laughs> and a can of fosters will do in a pinch a can of fosters i mean like a well-kept carling black label <laughs> if the pipes are clean i'm delighted by it but i couldn't say that so i no, said you can't say that no. not to a craft beer person so i said oh well um I'm quite into sort of pale ale. <laughs> and that went down well. They were, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 us too. And I was like, yes, fucking <laughs> come on. So then when I got the job, I endeavoured every shift to steal beer from that shop <laughs> and drink it on shift. They had a fridge that was like this side of the counter. So that it was uh, for okay. keeping bottles of water to give the customers or whatever. Mm. So I just used to like put a beer in the fridge and then gradually just sip it throughout the shift. Nice. And during that experience, I got to know and love craft beer. And how do you feel about Foster's these days? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't drink it very much anymore, actually. No. But when I do, I'm still delighted. You're still it. happy. Yeah. A guilty Foster's. It's, it's become a sort of guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's become a kind of trope. I'll just set up the ogre because Tom's a big man, but he's not like a, a monster. He's a not monstrous. Giant. Yeah, and he's kind of just looks like a person, but really big. And the other giant that is about to enter our story is more of an ogre. So more of the kind of classic fairy tale. Green. Not green. Could I, be green. I think Shrek invented ogres are green. 
Yeah. Actually, sorry. Hairy though, kind of hairy and probably like a lumpy face. Mm. And also, they he doesn't live in a house. He lives in a cave. So that's a. <laughs> That's an important distinction. That's an important distinction. Tom lives in a house. This other one lives in a cave. He might have been a philosopher. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they live in caves? One of them did. And the reason that Tom learns of this ogre is that when he gets this job carting beer from Kingsland to Wisbeach, the brewer says to him, you have to take this specific route on this particular road because... If you go the direct way, there's a massive giant and he kills everybody that comes along that road. He's really territorial. He has this whole bit of land and anyone that trespasses on it, he will do you in. So he says you have to go right round the edge on this really long out of the way route. This is proper Billy Goat's gruff kind of stuff. Yeah, it's proper Billy Goat's gruff. But we do know about Tom that he is quite lazy. Oh, and not that bright. Not that bright, quite lazy. So we do know that maybe Tom's not going to like having to take this really, really long route around every day on his journey. So that is going to set up the next part of our tale and the next and perhaps most famous part of the Tom Hickathrift story, which is how he met another giant. This is the second drink. I don't know how much meat's going to be involved in this one. I'm going to say zero meat. It's um, it's a nice goblet and it's kind of a brown something with a foamy top. So it's a foamy drink. Do you want to try and detect anything that's in okay, it? Okay, let me have a sip. <laughs> You've made a bad face. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, having tasted it and knowing, I wouldn't... It's quite sweet. Guess all the yeah, compi- it's quite sweet. I wouldn't guess the... the there's an obvious, like, there's a component in it that we drink all the time that I wouldn't have guessed. Well, I saw you had a ginger beer bottle. Right, mm. so it is a foamy, gingery yeah. rum drink. Okay. Now, when you think about giants, mm. what do you think about them sometimes saying? Uh, yo, ho, ho. No. That's pirate. That's pirate. Fee-fi-fo-fum. 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 So this is a McPhee Fiery Foam Rum. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing! Best name for a drink yet. Say it again. It's a McPhee Fiery Foam Rum. (laughs) I mean, that's better than a slippery nipple McPhee. That's very clever. Very clever. Thank you. And actually, so what it is, is it's ginger beer. Yeah, that's um, the fire. Pineapple spiced rum. Oh, that's just a fancy rum that I bought. Fancy rum, nice. Um, And uh, for the foam, supposedly, Mm. I went into an extremely posh (laughs) wine shop. Okay. And I said, "You haven't got any Guinness, have you?" Because I wanted to have a foamy Guinness for the foam. Yeah. And they were like, "No, we do have certain stouts, though." And I was like, "Are any of them really foamy?" And they were like. (laughs) We don't know how foamy our stouts are. Just <laughs> please, just buy a stout and get out. They hadn't been secretly every shift stealing a stout and sipping under the counter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just had to go for whatever mm. looked like it might be foamiest. Well, uh, mine's quite foamy. Yours is very foamy. I even mentioned foam. Yeah, you said foam. So I'm going to say this is actually quite nice. So yeah. it's oat porter, oatmeal stout. Oatmeal stout. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You hadn't you hadn't tested in advance. No, never so tried it's it. just luck that this has come together as well as it has. Yeah. Merely based on a clever wordplay, well, it's turned out well. But there are there were other versions of the same clever mm. wordplay which would have been much more disgusting. Um, <laughs> one at one point, I was I was going to do you remember those foam shrimps? Oh. I was gonna I was gonna melt down foam shrimps into a liquid. Oh my god! I'm so glad you didn't do that. That would be the worst thing. <laughs> 
Um, and for oh, fiery, gosh. it was originally going to be chilies, and then someone, oh, okay. uh, someone suggested what about ginger? So where we left off was all that time ago. Tom doesn't want to walk the long way round every day just because this big ogre lives in a cave on this big bit of land and he can't get round through the middle. Are there a lot of caves in Norfolk? I don't recall. <laughs> That's a very I don't good remember point. Seeing any Norfolk's caves. flat. You don't get caves in flat places. No. Is it just like a boggy hole of peat that he it, lives in? That they're calling it could it a be a boggy because it's mar- it's kind of marshland. So. It's a ditch. Fence. Yeah, it, he lives in a ditch. Have they he even might drained them in... at this point? Well, Ooh. we don't know really is when it, it is, so it's okay. vague. Yeah, I think a boggy hole could be accurate because if you're an ogre, you don't. I mean, cave boggy hole. What's the difference? You'll spelunk anything. <laughs> I've got faith in Tom. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Well, he felt confident because he was now on his new diet of good food and plentiful ale. He thought, you know, I'm in peak condition. Should this ogre appear, I feel confident that I can do what it takes to win the day. So off he went along the road. It wasn't long, of course, until the beastly giant got wind of Tom's presence and came roaring out to meet him. Arrgh! Fearsome and angry. He was shouting that he would beat Tom's brains out with his club. Did he smell the bones. blood of an Englishman? And according to one telling, the ogre gestured at a nearby tree, which was disgustingly festooned with human heads. And he was like, this is going to be you, mate. Your head's going to be on that tree. Jesus. Why is he getting away with this? Because everyone's scared of him. I feel like my glee at this tale has turned quickly to (laughs) horror. (laughs) Because anyone that tries, he just cuts their head off and puts in his special tree. His head tree. Can you festoon with something, If the Normans are in the country, the Normans don't stand for this. They have efficient armour, efficient marching, and they're just going to go and shoot him with their arrows. It might be before the Normans. We don't know for sure. Also, isn't that the Romans? Were the Normans also efficient? Yes. I didn't know that. No, I just made that up. Oh. But come on, they shot people with arrows in the eye. They're probably think, a bit efficient. I think everyone's more efficient. And they had those than good English helmets. People. They were definitely more efficient than Harold's lot. Those helmets, marching they're like. up and down the country they, and back. Those helmets protect you from be, being poked in both eyes at once. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're there for. <laughs> Roaring, this monster was. I'll beat you with my club. Tom said, whatever, get your club. I don't care. Words to that effect. I paraphrase, Mm. but actually, Maureen James reports that what Tom actually shouted to the giant was, a turd in your teeth. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. A turd in your teeth, he said. You will not find me like one of them, as in, you're not getting my head in your tree. (laughs) Get your club. I don't care. The beast roared off to fetch his club. I mean, I thought at this point, if you were a beast defending your territory... Will you bring your club with you? Bring your club with you! He's like, oh, club, that's a good idea. Oh, shit, my club! give me a second. (laughs) So he's got to go off and get his club. And at this point, Tom's like, oh, I haven't really got any weapons... He's going to throw the beer at him. I haven't really thought this through. But then he has a quick thought and he starts to make his preparations. We must have a short interlude to learn briefly about the bits that make up a dray wagon, which is the kind of wagon that Tom was pulling. A dray is the female of some animal? A dray horse is a horse that pulls a dray wagon. Right, okay. It's not a species of horse. So Tom is like, well, I've got this here wagon and it's got... Four big wheels, big wooden wheels, and the wheels are attached crossways with things called axle trees, which is what you put the wheels on at each side. So Tom has a 
plan. He's made a plan. He pulls one of the great wheels off the wagon. He pulls out one of the axle trees. And now he's ready a shield and a club of his own. Wow. See, to fight he said he the wasn't dragon. Right. He's a goddamn genius. Yeah. He's had some good thoughts here. Hanging hasn't outside he? the box. I think people thought he wasn't bright because he looked like an oaf. And actually, he was just quiet. Oh, he was thoughtful. I think he might he have just been pensive. He wrote poetry in his free time. <laughs> they didn't like pensive people in nine, eight, whatever. <laughs> but he was lazy. Was he or was he just really thinking? Is he the philosopher Rob said he was earlier? Yeah. Maybe. No one, no, no, no one lazier than a poet to the outside world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now Tom was prepared for the ogre's return. As the ogre raced back with his club, Tom ran to meet him. Smash! Smashed him on the head with the axle tree. And the ogre reeled back, staggering. He hadn't been prepared for this onslaught. No one had tried to fight him in this manner before. He was ready with his wheel just in case the ogre should retaliate. Now, Enid Porter recounts that Tom uttered the following retort which I think Katie especially is going to enjoy. He said, What, does my small beer make you stagger? Well, (laughs) this should make you quite drunk. And again, smash! A second (laughs) smash with the axle tree onto the ogre's head. Now, here things differ. In some stories, after the second smash, the ogre fell down dead. Two big smashes on the head. But in some stories, the fight is long and bloody and rages for hours as the two giants smash away at each other with their clubs. Whether it's a quick fight or a long, arduous fight, um, Tom is the victor. He's younger, he's in better condition. The ogre's used to basically just smashing people once with his club and then they die, so he's not in peak fighting shape. He's got he's lazy. He's the wolf of gladiators rather than one <laughs> of the young... Hunter, yes, yeah, Hunter was young, good work. Hunter was young. While you were getting this drink, Chris looked up Muff Murfin to <laughs> check that he'd given accurate information. And it turns out Muff Murfin's a music millionaire. Because no of the theme from Gladiators. No, he owns some radio stations now. So the ogre eventually submits and dies. He hasn't been drinking as much. Maybe he doesn't have the furious adrenaline of of a drunk, you know, Mm. coursing through his veins. Mm. Somewhat gruesomely, Tom cuts out the giant's tongue. Mind you, the giant was cutting people's heads off. Yeah. Come on, Tom's not a monster. He put them in the tree. He's a thoughtful poet. He's just, you know. And he's, he's done this as proof. So he can say to people, I've killed the giant. But it could have been a cow's tongue. Oh. What a devious this is very, mind. very Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy well, thinking. <laughs> what a devious mind you have to think well, of such a thing. Well, just because cow's tongues are readily available. In the Norfolk countryside. Well, still now, on the Mill Road Butchers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I just thought that was an easy big tongue to get your hands on quickly, if you needed yeah. a big tongue. Well... He cuts out the giant's tongue as proof of his conquest and up he goes along the previously forbidden path. And it's said that he finds the cave, the giant's cave slash boggy ditch, and it's full of treasure. Mm. The giant's just been hoarding shitloads of treasure. His peaty hole is full of treasure. Peaty gold in the peaty hole. (laughs) So Tom is, after this, he's got more money because he just gets all the treasure. So he's got free beer for life. Yep. job and now he's got sacks of peed to gold yeah the, the ogre is a classic saver he's been saving that money up for some future time where he's going to have a great time and then he dies and he should have been spending it now on he, new clubs that is if the he'd classic bought a new tragedy club, of the saver if he'd bought one of those fancy modern club holders yeah. around his waist then he wouldn't club have on his body nothing would have gone wrong or have a better security system to protect his land goats yep. goats furious goats Fighting off all comers. Or just making a noise when people come. So this is really a cautionary tale about the dangers of oversaving. Yeah, never save, spend, 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 spend. 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 
people who live within their means have no imagination. Oh, very good. Is that Ooh, an aphorism? Yeah, that sounds Oscar like... Wilde said it. Not that you can come up with that, yeah. Casey, No, 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 it's, it's true, it's true. Sounds like someone else has come up with it. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I thought it sounded quite convincing. I mean, I do have meat stores from America, but... Um, <laughs> That's I, true, yeah. Katie is not living within her means. Katie says, spend, spend, spend on those meat stores. I can you only imagine... You they'll go out of business, and apparently they have. I can only imagine the import duties on those meat stores. Why do you put them in your mouth? Well, I didn't bite down, I just sucked. <laughs> I thought we'd done really well of not pointing out the obvious phallic connotations, but you've ruined it. Tom arrived back in Wisbeach, brandishing the giant's tongue, cart full of treasure and beer. And he... one of the wheels missing from the cart, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know how he <laughs> overcame that obstacle. But he's given a hero's welcome because everyone's been scared of that ogre. Well, and he's got treasure and beer. Yeah, treasure and beer. And now they're like, oh, we can just get to Kings Lynn. No problem now. It's this killing where the legend of Tom Hickerthrift is truly born mm. after the slaying of the ogre. You mean the carrying of some hay bales wasn't enough? It wasn't enough. No. <laughs> that was, Three I guess... for life wasn't enough. That was the kind of early inkling. And then right. next came the killing of a ogre and finding loads of treasure in a cave. And that was the thing that everyone was like, hooray, hooray, we love Tom. And then there's many later tales which add to the legend, particularly from the 18th century. Once it starts getting written down and people basically just start embellishing all the stories and adding more and more excitement and other bits and pieces. Tales of preposterous wages that Tom makes with people. And he always wins the preposterous well, wages. Not, he's got beer for life now. He's gone a bit downhill. And he's just he's like just drinking and betting. Wages, and he, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the most famous wages involved how much he could drink. Yeah. And he basically oh. drank more than anyone could ever imagine that he would drink. He's a common or garden piss artist. Or was he bombing <laughs> it secretly? Oh. What, purging? Well, I don't know. Secret purging? Yeah, you know. Oh, I'm just going to the toilet, I'll be back. I'm no. just going off to fetch a cloth. There's some talk of defeating rebel hordes around the Isle of Ely. Gosh, Tom came in to hordes. defeat 10,000 rebel hordes. I don't think there were even 10,000 people living around the Isle of Ely. I wouldn't no. have thought so. Seems no. too many. Also, rebelling against who? Everything. Uh, landowners, probably. Cromwell. We're talking about like nine something, aren't we? There's no. <laughs> no, but they've moved to the 1800s. It and they're all recording gets it, added. So it's so all bits I'm, added. Going, I'm going any Fen history from the last yeah. hundred years. Yeah, it's thousand years added up in. for grabs. Have you, uh, have you already had the sort of like mind expanding or mind blowing chat about the idea of the introduction of the written word changing fundamentally the way that sort of memory works and whatever? No. Well, I mean, I guess we've alluded to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> so it implies the old bonds, doesn't it? That like for the entirety of human history, basically you can only know as much as one generation can fit in their heads. Yes. And, and this then... is how all the stories were, as I say, in the past, all of the stories of Tom Hickerthrift and other legends were just passed down so orally. You couldn't, no one person could embellish a story like that because you could embellish it. But if 100,000 other people are telling the same, mm. the original story... Your embellished version will just disappear well, into the or, next generation. Conversely, you end up with a hundred versions Total of the same story that people have told in different, but slightly doesn't... different areas in slightly different ways, and then they've taken on Heracles lo- or Hercules. Exactly, oh. and they take on their own kind of local characteristics. But people are like, "Oh, maybe we'll add something in that makes it more local to us." Even if you know it happened in Wisbeach, we'll say it happened in wherever. But, but the kind of like the f- sort of folk memory does tend to lead like have you ever noticed how weird it is how much stuff primary school playgrounds have in common like, have you ever spoken mm. to someone from a different part of the country and they they know 
about some stupid game that you used to play. As the stories grow over the years, some romance sneaks in. So the early mm. stories, there's not any romance. And then later, romance starts to get added. So it's more in line with the kind of King Arthur and all that kind of thing. That Yeah, if you're going to fight an ogre, you have to be fighting him for the love of a beautiful woman. Right? I'm a bit worried about saying what I'm about to say. But if you're a giant, I'm not on board with... You're worried about his meat straw? Well, I'm well, yeah. I mean, Is this a lady giant or is this a... There's a story of him courting a rich young widow, defeating a rival suitor and getting married and getting a knighthood because the king was so impressed by his killing of the ogre. So anyway, well, I guess the thing is, it shows how legends will sort of develop and then they take on narratives from other stories because people are like, oh, we kind of recognise that. So we want, we want more on of the, the familiar. Of and we want... They put on the fashions of their day, exactly. So if I go and get the last drink, then yes. we can just have a little bit of chat, which is almost the most serious chat at the most drunk point of the evening, but it's about a bit like maybe what's this truth behind the stories? Is there some kernels of truth in the legends? We're back. We're back. We've got another drink. We've got another drink. I found this drink on the internet, so I haven't been as clever as either of you, but... But you've had to do loads of these. I've done. Also, I'm always like, well, I do all the research, so, you know, I can't be expected to. I'm so excited to. about my drink. This drink Don't is called it. A Nightcap of Champions. And I thought <laughs> Tom Hickerthrift is the champion of East Anglia. Let's, or does one of you want to describe it and sniff it and describe the sniff? It smells like a lemony dream. It looks like. Oh my gosh, the... it's much stronger than I expected. Whoa. It's mainly booze. So it smelled <laughs> to me a bit like. When we had the green and yellow, and it was the yellow with the like lemoniness, yeah. and I thought it was going to be creamy and lemony because it's frothy and lemony, but the amount of booze the Quantra is packing is a lot more than the green and yellow. Definitely. It's, it's fiercely citrusy. Almost too fierce. No, <laughs> I like it. I, I like it too, but I can see Ruth's what, squinty it, face. What's in here is Quantro and Jack Daniels and egg white and lemon juice. Oh, it's fierce. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to clear out your sinuses. It's pepping us up, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pep, pep, so. pep. Do you want to hear about where maybe the ogre story might have come from? Yes, please. In truth. This is discussed by Maureen James in Cambridge of Oak Tales and also by a man called Mike Burgess on the Hidden East Anglia website. And he says that there's a text from... Now, what is the year? 1631 by a man called John Weaver. And this is the earliest written tale of Tom Hickathrift before the chat books. And what this tale puts forward, it tells of a historical conflict between some locals and a bad landlord, basically, a bad landowner. And there used to be a stretch of pasture land called the Smeath, which may come from an old English word meaning smooth, flat. I mean, it's flat, isn't it, in East Anglia? That's a lovely word. The Smeath. And the Smeath was this big area of about 1,200 acres of pasture land. And the folk from the seven villages nearby used to graze their cattle and their sheep on this pasture, the Smeath. And then a landlord and his it's company... It's all the enclosure, isn't it? Then they came in, the company and the landlord, and they took ownership of the pasture land, the Smeath. 
And this was a source of great conflict among the, the locals. And so there's a hypothesis that for a long time, actually, the story of Tom Hickathrift was that he came in and defeated the landlord and his company and his cronies and he fought them bravely and he reclaimed the pasture land of the Smith for the local townships. Oh, he's a hero. So there may be a kind of a story of a genuine hero in there and that over time has become the story of him defeating a kind of evil ogre. So a strong, a strong and brave young man becomes over time a giant man who's got massive hands and it all becomes <laughs> exaggerated and whatever. Yeah, and that he... Now call for life because that is everyone's dream. <laughs> and that there was a kind of a genuine foe, which was this evil landlord type figure who was denying the common land to the people and that Tom Hickathrift perhaps defeated. So the, the in the stories for a while, you see the parallel of the landlord and the ogre. And then after a while, the ogre becomes the kind of main bit of it. And then before too long, it's just he defeated this giant, this evil giant. So that's nice, isn't it? Mm. I love that it has like proper socialist roots. That's yeah. what all, all stories should be. Good socialist roots. And there's also... Um... It's a sort of David and Goliath, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But the modern day. Modern day, David. I mean, and if you think... The 1800s. But yeah, modern day for UK in 1066. <laughs> if you think about it realistically, maybe he actually had some other people that he kind of that rallied behind him and he, you know, yeah. he didn't single-handedly kind of do this. Well, we but... could also think possibly that violence isn't always the answer, but we won't look at that too closely because the little person in theory is one, except he wasn't little. This is also what's said about Joan of Arc, that maybe she didn't single-handedly defeat the British, but <laughs> or the English, but she... She's the figurehead. Yeah. 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 Also, what I found interesting was there's stories about him later about him killing a dragon and a giant in Kent. There was an even more terrifying giant who rode on the back of a dragon and Tom killed both of them and then was given some kind of honorary title of like King of Thanet or something. But then I found that there is a... As in Nigel Farage's... Constituency. Yeah, he wishes. He wishes he'd ever had a constituency. Oh, yeah, sorry, he ran. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I found that there's a village in Kent called Smeath. And so oh. I wondered if it was just that the story of the Smeath, of the pasture land and in the marshes, became somewhere yeah. along the way that that just became Smeath. And so the story of Tom Hickathrift moved to Kent from that one kind of misunderstanding. Do maybe. they claim Tom Hickathrift as their own in, in Kent? They do, but they don't deny his roots in Norfolk and Cambridgeshire. But then it's like, oh, but later he killed another giant in Kent. That's where the real shit went down. (laughs) So I thought that's, who knows, again, how the stories get kind of convoluted over the ages. This is what's great about oral history is that Mm. it's mad and it's twisting and it's convoluted. And it's apart from in primary schools where where that's the only place where humanity still lives in a sort of pre-literate age, effectively. You don't get these kind of like slightly developing, twisting or histories where things used to make sense and now they don't anymore, mm. but they carry on. It's it's great. I love it. How is Tom remembered today? Not just in the stories, but in geography, place names, Hickathrift Farm, Hickathrift House, Hickathrift Field. Can we go to Hickathrift House? I think it's a nursing home. Oh, balls. <laughs> But we can maybe go to Hickathrift Field, although we I think could, there's a housing go, development there now. We could go now. visit some people and do some good. You're allowed to visit nursing homes now. But we can't just bound in going, Hickathrift! <laughs> or we could come say we're here to do some good. You know what you should do? You should load up one of those skewers and then just hand... <laughs> like, you can then be at arm's length. You just reach the skewer in through the window. That's true, because time. Skewer them through the window. Skewer them through the window. You've got a cheese string on there, a quail's egg. <laughs> it's the full, the full spectrum of All... posh to not posh. <laughs> All your food groups, protein, yep. fruit and veg, 
dairy. It's all there. <laughs> there's also um, there's a village called Tilney, which is in Norfolk, and on their village sign they have uh, Tom Hicker thrift with his axle tree and wheel. Great. And the church at Tilney is called Tilney All Saints, and they have some big stone sticks, which are called, they're known as Hickathrift's candlesticks, which are actually um, uh, stone, like the, the upright bit of a stone cross that have become over time just called Hickathrift's candlesticks. And one of them has five indentations in the top of the stone. Oh, like a handprint. And Enid Porter was told by a local that he would, or they were always said, called that. Tom Hickathrift's fingerprints in the stone wow, of the cool. uh, of the stone stick. Also, what's at Tilney All Saints Church is in the churchyard a eight foot long big oval stone, and that has said to be the gravestone of Tom Hickathrift. Oval gravestone. A big bit lying flat on the ground. Wild. Because it's big. And the story about that is that when he was obviously still alive, Tom Hickathrift stood on the banks of a river three miles away and got this massive bit of rock and he was like, this is going to be my gravestone. I'm going to throw it and wherever it lands, that's where I want to be buried. Oh, it's lucky it landed in a churchyard. And he threw it, threw it, and it bounced off the side of Tilney All Saints and landed smack in the graveyard. So it's, it's, be- it's better than your cheese string throw of earlier on. My cheese string throw was absolutely <laughs> Was it more than 1.8 centimetres? They, they had to move it, dig his grave, and then put it back on top. That's a bit harsh, Tom. Or maybe they just... Well, he might have meant the broad area yeah. where I'll be buried. Or, did, or did they dig sideways? Dig a, yeah, dig a tunnel and then roll him into it. Yeah. <laughs> like the beer going down into the... Um, like the beer going into the cellar of the, the pub. The cellar, Lovely. yeah. Man in no falls at the bottom, roll it down. Roll Perfect. Tom Hickathrift in, Katie's dad. It would be, to me personally, a tragedy if we got to the end of this episode without talking about Tom Hiddleston, because that's what, who I've been thinking of this whole time. <laughs> when I think of him, I think of how cross Katie gets that people have called their children Loki. After Tom Hiddleston in the films of Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've just realised I've absolutely no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> who did I, you? <laughs> Tom Haversmith in <laughs> Parks and Rec. It was Tom with an H. Tom I, Haverford? Yes, whatever he is. Tiny called. Asian Tom yes. Haverford is who you imagined. <laughs> no, but when you just said Tom somebody that I didn't know. Oh, I see. In my mind, Tom with an H... And you said slight, and I was like, yes, he's slight, but he's got a big character. I don't know who you're talking about. Tom and Parks and Rex got a big character. Okay, Where I've got a suggestion. Talk? We should just edit three podcasts out of this where each one of us talks on our own into the void because clearly that's what's happening anyway. It's Tom Hiddleston who plays Loki and you get cross. I do get cross when people call their kid Loki because that's not like, he's really not all right, Loki. He's not a what? positive what? role what's model. What's wrong with him? Well, like, I haven't seen Loki. I don't know anything about it. No, but like the proper Loki, Norse mythology, um, tricky and rapey, and not quite like. But we know Zeus is rapey. Like there's loads of rapey gods. They were quite rapey though. Yeah, but no one's calling their child Zeus though. No, that's what I mean. No one's calling (laughs) their child Zeus. But people do call their child Loki because of the current films and stuff that happens recently. But that's not all right. You need to find out properly about a name before. Did he turn himself into a swan? That's the dodgy shit, isn't it? Well, Zeus was a swan. He was a golden shower. He was all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Golden shower or a yeah. golden retriever? He was a golden shower. Zeus? It's true, Chris. Zeus was, I know. And you have to teach it to primary school age children and they <laughs> think that golden shower's fine. Can I just double check what you think a golden shower is? 
<laughs> are we talking about the same thing? Well, Zeus's golden shower was like a literal shower, shower of, of golden gold. light. Oh. And then she's, rain. But she's pregnant after being in the golden shower. Yeah, but after my golden shower, you don't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know, but you know what I mean? It's the thing is that he's still being quite... It's, I mean... Yeah. of him putting himself out there in the golden shower. He's gone out there. That's true. Yeah, a shower. And this one, I'm not all right with this one either. I'm not all right with a lot of it. And a cow, once he goes yeah. an ox, doesn't he? It's use. But Loki doesn't do any of that, but I, he but is... He's, um, he tricks he's unpleasant. A lot of he's an unpleasant person. Yeah. And he's manipulative. Yeah, but being, being tricksy. No, he's manipulative and he plays people off against each other. That sounds to, to me accurate for a child's behaviour. That's mm. fine. I mean, compared oh, okay. to converting well, okay. yourself into a into a like a fertile shower of whatever it is, <laughs> tricking people and playing off against each other, that's basic normal human behaviour. He can convince you of things you think are true that aren't true. Like a politician. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine, call your kids Loki. It's the same as call them David or, or Boris. 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 Yeah. I had a little bit more about the stone. I'm sorry. The stone that's there now in the graveyard of Tilney All Saints, it seems like that's not actually the original stone. And that for a long time... So this stone's going to weigh a lot and they've swapped it. They've swapped it, Katie. For a long time... Oh, they take his body for medical research? What? <laughs> well, he's a giant. You want to see how big those organs <laughs> no are? No one's got his body. And yeah. I don't know if his body's even there. But for a long time, from the 17th century... There was a big stone coffin with a stone lid and the lid had carvings on and the carvings were a circle with a cross through the middle representing the wheel and the axle of uh, Hickathrift. I thought you were going to say, isn't there some sort of Celtic symbol with a circle yeah. with a cross in it? Sure, sure. But could it also be the wheel and the axle third, the tree? Fourth of, wheel. And then that got moved in the early 20th century inside the church because it was getting damaged and they replaced it with a big rock. But they were like, this is the grave of Tom Hickathrift. And it has a little marker that says Hickathrift on it. So that's what people go to see is this old... But the story is he kicked it or he booted it or he threw it and it bounced off the wall and there it landed. I think we're at the end of the story. Now, I know that Katie likes to end with a lesson. Yes. Can you think of one from today? Tom is a plucky underdog and he's done well to beat the big capitalist ogre. Hooray! And I'm, I feel pleased to have been part of Tom's story. And maybe sometimes being lazy is fine. Oh, was he like the hamster? He was eating the bodies and just leaving the heads. Christ alive. And I'd say you're everyone's hero, Ruth, yeah. is strange in a fiction, for being able to tell a quail's egg and a cheese straw in the I'm same moment. I'm so proud of myself. It's beautiful. Thank you for that drink, Katie. It was astonishing. I'm sorry it was so noisy, Chris. I will never again bring snacks. It was our noisiest drink yet. And I've thank never brought you... snacks before and I realised why now it's not appropriate. Thank you, Rob, for your drink, which was... Can you remember c- what it's called? ...perplexing. It was called a McPhee Fiery... Foamy rum. Yeah, that's it. That's hey! exactly right. McPhee Fiery Foam Rum. And uh, thanks both for contributing. Thank you for having us. It's and so nice to be back. Thanks and for having me for the first time. Delightful, Rob. Delightful to have you. It was great. It was really fun. And thank you, listeners. We will be back again soon with a different story from Strange East Anglian history. And maybe more meat straws. Maybe more meat straws or maybe now an embargo on meat straws forever. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next time.